Welcome to Profit's Healthcare Transformers podcast, where we'll be talking to leaders in healthcare who are focused on transforming their organizations to drive the next level of growth for their business and for healthcare. Hosted by Priya Anasia, Lindsay Mosby, Paul Schrimpf, and Jeff Gorgi. Transformation is one of those terms that has a lot of layers to it. Sometimes it's about innovation. Sometimes it's about shifting the way you do business. Sometimes it's to your overall operating model. And other times it's to a specific department or function. It's also about people, helping them navigate the discomfort that comes with change, but also motivating them to engage in the journey of transformation from the CEO to the newest employee. It's a journey, and that's why we created this podcast, to break down this multidimensional, dynamic topic of transformation, one story at a time. Are you ready to dive in? Hi, this is Priya and Aja, and we're back with another episode of Profits Healthcare Transformers. Today, we've got a special guest with us. It's Tam Ward, SVP of Insurance Business Operations at Oscar Health. Tam, we're so excited to have you with us today. As you share, my name is Tamara Ward. I currently operate as a senior vice president over our insurance company's operations at Oscar Health. What that means in practice is that I'm really responsible for ensuring that our organization is operationally ready to enter markets, to serve our members as open enrollment occurs, and ensuring that we have standard processes around how we think about contracting, how we develop networks, and then how we execute those network strategies within our various different regions. I've been at Oscar a little over two years, as I shared, you know, right during the pandemic. Prior to joining Oscar, I had worked in healthcare for probably the last 17 plus years or so. I've enjoyed my career in healthcare. I think being able to to help people every single day is super rewarding. Maybe share one thing with us that we wouldn't know from looking at your LinkedIn profile. I think it's the fact that I was a college dropout, you know, was super high performing entering into college, was really just, I think, at the time trying to figure out what did I want to be when I grew up, entered into, I'd say, more of the beauty space had a little bit of a pivot. And my sister at the time, who is a nurse practitioner, said, you know, why don't you think about healthcare? And so joined a, a health system in, in the city in which I grew up, fell in love with the fact that I could actually help people every single day, went back to school, and it's been moving and shaking ever since. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. I love hearing that. And uh, it's funny how, you know, so often we have friends or colleagues or family in healthcare and and we sort of get sucked into it ourselves because there is so much that we have an opportunity to make better. So I love hearing that that inspiration. I would love to talk a little bit more about kind of what shaped your your expertise, you know, over the years as you've, you know, grown in your career and especially grown, you know, in the insurance space. If you could talk a little bit more about how you've shaped your expertise, that would be great. For sure. I think it really started with transitioning, I'd say, from the beauty industry into the healthcare industry and having a feeling that I didn't know enough to be in the room. Mm. And because of that feeling, I always pursued additional education around whatever, I'd say, department or area that I was either working in or leading. 
and then would create, I'd say, alliances within the organization to learn more about the departments that I interacted with on a daily basis. So, for example, when I first joined Health System in Southwest Ohio, I led teams within patient access. And if you're familiar with patient access, that's part of revenue cycle. Think of customer service, prior authorization, pre-service collections. And oftentimes we would get calls from, you know, physician offices, from the health plans. And I would really want to understand why are they so dissatisfied with our service? Why are they having bottlenecks in their in their processes or bottlenecks in getting paid or getting members access to care? And I would sit down with the respective leaders and understand more about their day to day. That's such a great way to kind of think about, you know, your readiness for transformation as described by your kind of past, you know, shapers of expertise. And the word that comes to mind for me is uh, fearless. You know, you've got to be able to embrace new challenges, be hungry to learn more and ask the right questions. And it sounds like you are doing and continue to do all of those things. For sure. For sure. I had... (laughs) Interesting enough, I had a conversation with a colleague a few days ago about that. You know, I think you used an excellent word to describe it, but that fearlessness. And and I would argue that it comes out of necessity and that Mm -hmm. being a young African-American female in rooms where folks did not look like me, I felt the need to ensure that I deserve to be there. And I think that feeling pushed me to always continue to learn and always continue to develop myself, good, bad, or indifferent. You know, I would argue today, if I'm talking to young minority professionals, is that you shouldn't have to do that. But those were the things that I, I, you know, in full transparency did throughout my career to make sure that when I showed up, I showed up extremely well. But, you know, sometimes that comes at a cost. Yeah. You know, I think in that that same vein, one of the things that we've been having deeper conversations about at Profit is um, diversity, equity and inclusion. We were recently at a, a leadership offsite and we were talking a lot about how to build inclusive teams. I'd love to hear your perspective on how do you do that and the benefits of that, I should say, when you are engaging in a transformative effort. As I think about just the evolution of my career, there became a point in my career, I'd say probably maybe seven or eight years ago, that I no longer felt that I had to continue to prove myself. Mm -hmm. And my desire to lead transformation within corporate America or healthcare was actually to, to create more diverse teams was actually to be a catalyst to help bring in diverse talent and diverse leaders. And that became my why. And I think with that, I knew in order to make that happen, it was going to require just education across the board. One, I needed to educate myself as a leader on how to lead diverse teams. And when I say diverse, I mean race, I mean ethnicity, I mean age, gender, experience, you name it. And that took some time in developing. And as I continued to create those teams, what I found to be extremely effective is looking to see what the individual, what value that individual brought 
to the table and how to complement that value by bringing in additional folks on that team that created just, I'll call it a, a circle of diverse, innovative thinkers with the ability to be open-minded when your position, your opinion, and your ideas are challenged. And I think with that, I've been able to, I think, be successful at creating these transformational teams that that drive execution and drive operational effectiveness throughout the organizations in which I've led. And so it's been a challenge. You have to be up for it. You have to be up for the coaching with the team member as well as with the folks that interact with that team member. But you have to be up for the challenge to truly be an advocate, I think, for it to be effective. Yeah, that's phenomenal. Let's talk a little bit more about transformation. We've started to think about transformation in three ways uh, at our firm. One might be completely innovating your business model, right? From the inside out or the outside in, you could say. Two would be standing up new businesses as a part of your existing enterprise. And three might be transforming your organization from within. That might be how a business unit operates or the ways of working that you utilize I would love if you would be willing to share with us an example of a transformation that that you've led and what you think made it successful. Yeah, there have been quite a few. I would say just in general, this is where I thrive and enjoy my work the most. I think that being able to see a problem or an opportunity and curate a vision and strategy around that and then activate people to align against delivering on that strategy has been a bit of, I'd say, the highs of of my career. And so two examples come to top of mind. I'll, I'll speak to, you know, one at Oscar probably first in that we went from a organization that was for the most part based out of New York City We decided to regionalize our operations to ensure that we were more embedded into the markets and had a local market connection. But with that, you sometimes lose the advantage and the scale of centralization. And so when I step into the role in which I'm in today, we had to really gauge and engage with our health plan market presidents to figure out What work could be centralized so that we could scale and become more efficient? What work definitely needed to stay within the region so that we had that local market connection? And then how did we do those two things by continuing to achieve our growth and profitability goals? And so with any, I think, major transformational initiative, you have to start with buy-in, right? You can have the greatest idea in the world, but you have to engage with your key stakeholders and bring them along in the process. And so it was super important for me, for the key leaders that were impacted by any change that we got in a room together. And we had those tough you do, we do discussions. We had the the idea generation discussions on how we could make things better and what we wanted our North Star to be. And then we set out clear measures of accountability and success. So my commitment to my peers was that if there's work that you're doing today that my team is going to take on tomorrow, my goal and my commitment to you is that it's going to be better. 
And you have the ability to hold me accountable to that. And so we set targets and goals. We measured those on a regular basis. I can engage with them on a regular basis on how we were progressing against those goals. And then we had, I think, regular touch points where we would kind of post-mortem the work that had been done to date. So we had the opportunity to iterate and pivot as needed. I would say that if you ask the the business leaders of, of the respective units for this particular transformation that I'm speaking on, they would say that things are much better, that we decided to move in that direction. And I would argue that, you know, if Tam is no longer at Oscar tomorrow, the infrastructure, the processes, the systems, the people that have been stood up to drive this work will remain, you know, forever, I think, operating at the level in which they are today. Let me maybe play back a little bit of what I heard, because I think these are some of the golden nuggets that a lot of our listeners want to want to hear. Right. Um, So, you know, you talked about transformation. It's not enough to have a great idea. Right. You've got to get the buy in to make sure that this idea can get executed. You can get people aligned to it. You talked about accountability. So you're owning the success and the failure affiliated with that transformation and you talked also about measurement, you know, in that aspect. You know, that's something that we haven't explored as much on these conversations, but having targets, goals, measures to see if the transformation was successful. Maybe you can expand a little bit more on that and give our listeners uh, a little bit more of a way to think about how to measure their success. For sure. And one other thing that I'd add, I think, to the nuggets that you called out and what I don't see enough is having a plan. You know, how are you going to get there? Because I think if you have the plan, you follow the plan, you stay the course of the plan until you need to pivot. And so when we think about any major transformational initiative and you think about how do you measure success, I go back to the why. Like, why are we doing this? And so I'll I'll pivot a bit to a different transformational initiative with a a prior organization that I led where we had a provider-sponsored health plan I was responsible, I'd say, for a major turnaround initiative of the health plan. And if I thought about, you know, when I went to my C-suite executives and I would say, yes, I was successful at that, I would measure that twofold. One was the business now breaking even where it wasn't before. Two, are customers satisfied? Because you can break even, you can make a ton of money, but if everyone hates you along the way, I would argue that it wasn't successful. (laughs) And when you think about your customer, you know, and I'll I'll speak just kind of from a health plan perspective, your customer are your patients, your customers are your providers, your customers are your brokers, and your customers are also your internal and external business partners. And so we would create surveys and use that data to determine if we were improving the experience of our customers through this transformational effort. And then last but not least, and, and I forgot one, one more customer, which are, are your team members and your, your employees, because their experience, their satisfaction is important, I think, to any major transformation if it's going to stand the test of time. So that was something I think super important for us to measure. And so in that particular example, the goal there was to get that company to break even. And the goal there was to make sure that there was customer success, that the customer was satisfied or delighted with the transformation that we drove and having ways to measure that it has to be data driven in order to really be able to clearly articulate and define that you've been successful. Great. 
you know, you've got a lot of experience with transformation or transformation adjacent types of projects. What do you think are some of the most common myths or misnomers that people have about transformation? I think one that it's easy. (laughs) You know, it's not for everyone. You really have to have, I think, the skill, the wherewithal, the relentlessness to see it through. You see a lot of folks, to your point, come up with really great ideas and not necessarily see them through when they're leading major transformational efforts or when the effort in which they're leading uh, hits a roadblock or starts to go left or even fails, that they give up and back out. And so I think to really be successful, you have to be a little bit relentless to make sure that you see it through and it actually happens and and you pivot as needed. I think the, the second major myth when you think about transformation is that you can do it alone. There is not one transformational effort that I can think of that one person single-handedly executed on without the help of others. And so I think, you know, I say that because I've experienced that. And I think at some point in my career, I would argue that I thought I could do it alone, (laughs) but quickly understood that there is truly no I in team and that when you're taking a company through transformation, it takes a lot of strategic thinking. It takes a lot of planning. It takes a lot of communication to do it well. Sure. More and more studies are being published about with the growing number of failed transformations and everyone sort of has a perspective on that. What's your take on why so many transformations are failing? I think it's twofold. One, what I've seen throughout my career is that, and I'll speak specifically to the healthcare industry, is sometimes organizations are too distracted by the hot topic of the moment. And so if the industry is saying that you should, as a health system, start a health plan and without thinking, you know, you as a health system start a health plan and don't really understand the core competencies and capabilities needed to actually successfully run a health plan, it's going to fail. What I've seen is that when folks jump on a transformational initiative too quick and they haven't necessarily thought through the ROI tied to that initiative, the why tied to that initiative, and if that initiative actually aligns with their core competencies of their business, I've seen those, those opportunities just not work out. Second to that is it's not always bad to initiate or try a transformational initiative and fail. Because I think with those failures, there are learnings and that it either one forces you to do a better job at the due diligence tied to vetting transformational opportunities or two, it confirms for you what you're actually good at and what you should remain focused on. And so I would argue that if you don't try things, you don't know 100% what you're really great at as a company. But I would also argue don't try too many things (laughs) that distracts your business and could lead to, you know, significant financial implications. So I think there's a delicate balance that organizations, CEOs, COOs, CFOs have to think about as a, you know, consider to pursue transformational opportunities. Thanks. That's a that's a great response. So as you went along your career journey, 
Who were the people who helped you learn the ropes on transformation? Is there someone that kind of stands out in your mind who was helpful in your career and what made them so special? Absolutely. When I was, I'll say, quickly promoted as a young professional, and there came a point where I realized that while I had all of these phenomenal ideas, I was not the most effective at actually landing them. And what I mean by that is I would walk into the room with our executives and say, hey, here's some opportunities that I'm seeing. Here's what I believe that we should do. And they would say, yeah, yeah, great. Talk to you later. And I was puzzled as to why my ideas didn't land, why the data wasn't connecting, you name it. And I came across or, or had asked for an executive coach. And my organization at the time agreed to ensure that I had an executive coach and his name was Gordon Barnhart. We are still very good friends today. And what Gordon did for me really transformed my career in that he helped me to understand the three things that I called out for you all at the beginning of this podcast that are critical to being effective with transformation. He helped me to understand how to engage with my business partners, how to bring them along in the process, how to think through my ideas and understand that the ideas that I had needed to come connected with a positive ROI. They needed to assess, you know, what the operational lift would be to see them through. And they needed to connect with the business goals of the company. In addition to that, he also helped me to understand that while I was a great or phenomenal individual, I needed to continue to develop my teams. So in developing and in, in learning how to better develop my teams, I learned how to better, better develop organizations. And what I mean by that is having influence and the ability to drive those who don't directly report to you. And building on that, what advice would you give to other leaders who are overseeing transformation efforts and and sort of working their way along their transformation journey? I would say that when things aren't going as planned, look internally first. It's easy to say this isn't working because that team or that department isn't engaged versus saying maybe I didn't communicate to them in the right way. Maybe how I'm presenting this information doesn't resonate with them in the right way. And I think when leaders use that as their first go-to, they operate and lead from a place of understanding versus a place of blame. And when you lead from a place of understanding, you can build alliances that allow you to be successful. So I would say that's number one. Number two is that whether or not, you know, you can't afford a coach or your organization is willing to pay for a coach, you name it, there are mentors throughout your organization, the next organization, nonprofit organization that really want to help others. And so if you don't have a mentor and you are leading transformational efforts, I would encourage you to have one because you need someone to help keep you in check to help gut check your ideas and make sure that you're moving on the right path. And even to this day, although Gordon, you know, doesn't coach me day in and day out, I have partners within my organization that I go to and I say, hey, here is what I'm thinking. Give me your feedback, poke holes in this, help me, 
get a different perspective before I try to push this through or lead the organization through this idea or this transformational initiative that I'm responsible for. Excellent. You know, we work in an industry that is full of opportunities, but it also comes with its own set of challenges. What are some of the maybe unique aspects of transformation, maybe even the pitfalls or watchouts that folks working in this industry need to be aware of in order to affect change in healthcare? When you ask that, I think what came top of mind is was this. We work in healthcare and that is life or death for people. Yeah. And so as you're leading transformation, and one thing I love about Oscar is that everything that we do is centered on the member, is centered around the member. And so as we think of opportunities that we may have to do things more effectively and more efficiently, before we move forward, we say, is this what's best for the member? And if you're on the hospital side, you know, as you think about things that you want to drive for your organization or move your organization forward, you have to ask yourself, is this what is best for the patient? Because oftentimes business and healthcare can forget about both the patient and the member. And we have to stay grounded in that there are lives caught in the crossfires of the business that we lead. And it's super important to keep that top of mind. I love that answer. You're, you're putting empathy right at the center of the transformation equation. For sure. Tim, this has been so phenomenal. I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed this, this interview, this conversation. Is there anything that I didn't ask you about that you want to share with, uh, with me and with the listeners today? I think just in closing, what you called out last, the, the word empathy, is important in our industry. And what I have learned, and I would in full honesty and transparency say that I didn't always lead from that place. I had to learn that. And so in healthcare in particular, we have to remind ourselves that we are all here because we actually care. We actually want to do something that will change how either healthcare is delivered, how patients are treated, how members are cared for. And everyone that decided to jump into this industry is there for that reason for the most part. Thank you so much, Tam, for sharing all of your thoughts today with us. Thanks for listening to Profits Healthcare Transformers podcast. This podcast is produced by Jared Johnson and his wonderful team at Shift Forward Health. And a big thank you to our hosts, Priya and Asia, Lindsay Mosby, Paul Schrimpf, and Jeff Gorgie. If you liked today's episode, you can find more great content like this at profit.com slash thinking. I'm Anna Kuno, the senior editor of this podcast. Thank you for listening.